friends, how are you doing today? It's great to see you. And welcome to the 31st episode of In The Know, your 25 minute deep dive into the modern employee experience and what we can do to make it better. I'm JD from Exonify, and today's show is all about growing up, kind of. I've spent most of my career working for big companies that have been around for a long, long time. And in fact, two of my previous employers are more than a century old. By the way, happy 100, Disney. When you're around for that long, you build up lots of history and lots of legacy practices. You've got structures and departments and processes on top of processes. And with all of that legacy comes plenty of, quote, this is how we've always done it here. And suddenly what was once a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, youthful organization that could quickly seize on any opportunity is now a giant enterprise that requires lots of meetings and even more stakeholders to make even the simplest of decisions. And the same thing can happen within workplace learning and development. We get so focused on administering programs and checking boxes that we often fail to keep up with the changing needs of the business. And then we end up with these catalogs filled with courses that employees just never take. So how can L&D maintain a startup mentality that keeps us agile, proactive, and focused on the results that matter most to the people we support and our organizations? Well, today we're gonna find out from Gloria Chow, Manager of Learning and Development at Endy. But before we welcome our ITK guests, I'd like to introduce you to someone else, a, new, a brand new friend of mine. I'd like you to say hello to Max. Here at Exotify, we're excited to build on our legacy of AI-powered innovation with the launch of Max, a conversational AI that will help frontline employees instantly access the information they need to make smart decisions and deliver exceptional customer experiences. You can learn more about Max as well as our AI-powered content generation, language translation, and impact assessment tools at exonify.com slash Max. And be on the lookout for plenty more super cool AI-powered announcements in the very near future. And now let's welcome our ITK guest, Gloria Chow. Gloria is a longtime member of the Exonify community and an experienced learning and development manager with a demonstrated history of, of working in the e-commerce industry. Today, Gloria manages learning and development at Endy, a company that's been revolutionizing the way people sleep since 2015 with their, and I quote, ridiculously comfortable, supportive, and 100% Canadian-made mattress. Gloria, you're in the know. Hi, JD. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure indeed. So we actually have similar backgrounds in the fact that we both started on the front line before transitioning into learning and development roles. Uh, I myself, I managed movie theaters and theme parks before I got into L&D. So you were on the front lines of retail and now enable e-commerce employees at Endy. So I'm curious to ask you, how did your experience as the audience for L&D Solutions inform your perspective when it comes to things like training, implementation, and strategy? Did being a frontline worker shape the way you think about L&D? For sure. I think that when you're working with such a, you know, diverse workforce, you have a lot of factors to consider. Um, so, you know, when you need people on the sales floor or on the phones, on emails and chats, um, there are lots of moving parts. So you've got to work with different leads and managers. So for instance, at Endy, we've got the 95, 9 to 5 team to consider, the 12 to 8 shift, the 2 to 10. So lots of um, moving parts, and it takes a pretty concerted and coordinated effort um, to ensure that everybody gets the same consistent, high quality level of learning. 
Absolutely. So Endy was founded as a startup in 2015, selling direct to consumers online. Then three years later, the company is acquired by Sleep Country Canada, a 30-year-old company with 264 stores across the country. So I'm wondering, how did this change impact the L&D strategy? And did you bring any of that startup mentality with you when you joined the Sleep Country family? For sure. I mean, I think we're pretty fortunate in that our parents allow us to be, you know, pretty independent and are relatively hands-off. Um, so with that in mind, we still want to make sure we push our team and challenge them as we continue to scale and grow and support our parent company. Um, so focusing on things like soft skills, leadership skills, D-E-N-I, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion training, um, these skills are transferable. So, you know, we're investing in people's growth and they can help us grow as well. So we should actually talk a lot more because we have another thing in common, and that's that we both implemented microlearning within customer support operations. And in my case, I was working in a higher education contact center uh, when I first got involved with microlearning strategy. And if anyone out there has ever worked in a contact center, you know that rule number one is don't take people off the phone. And that's what makes microlearning, the ability to fit targeted learning activities into the minutes that people have available in their day, such a powerful tool in this type of workplace. But of course, you have to get people to buy in to microlearning in the fact that it doesn't look like traditional you know, classroom-based or online course-based education. So how have you managed to get managers and employees to understand the value of microlearning in a way that really promotes a culture of continuous learning? I think that having champions both on the leadership team and the staff is so key here. Um, so, you know, some of our leaders are actually on the top 10 leaderboard on Exonify at times, which is great. Um, it means that they're really invested in, um, you know, leading by example, uh, making sure that everybody understands the importance of learning. It's part of our values to be a continuous and deliberate learner. Um, so I think that with that buy-in, um, a lot of the team was, you know, so eager and excited to get on board. Um, and we continue to build on that. So we're always finding new ways and running new campaigns um, to support and increase engagement on the platform, uh, whether it's, you know, pairing uh, product giveaway with uh, the training for a new product launch, or it's, you know, double the points for you know, merch redemption, um, lots of exciting things and just keeping people on their toes and making sure that you're making a fun, um, but well-rounded something for everybody type of program. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but I was formerly an Exonify customer. I was actually customer number seven. I'm very proud of that number. And I implemented Exonify as, as my question-based reinforcement tool in my contact center. And I didn't exactly know what was going to come about. I was in this very kind of transitional moment in our learning and development strategy within a contact center environment. And when I realized that something was very different about this approach to learning and, and micro learning and fitting learning activity into the moments people had between calls was the moment when I got forwarded an email. I don't know if you've had this experience. And it was an email that was a screenshot of the leaderboard in Exonify that a contact center agent had taken the screenshot and then emailed it to the entire team begging and saying, ha I'm number one. And 
what it meant to me was it was the first time I ever saw any employee in any business that I, I had ever worked in bragging about their learning and development activity in that way. And it really made me lean in and start to ask questions about what, why is this working? Why, why am I going from a world where I'm trying to get people into my learning programs, into the classroom when they have such limited time to a world where people are suddenly bragging on the internet and bragging amongst their peers about their learning and development activity. So it's what really started to click me in uh, to this story. And so I'm curious on your side, if you have any of those moments or kind of learning programs or campaigns that you've created over the years that are those kind of standout moments, or if you have kind of a brag book of learning initiatives. Yeah, I think the water cooler talk surrounding competition and new games coming out and challenging questions are, you know, great for engagement. And I think we've um, done a pretty good job of kind of building up that excitement. I think one of my most memorable ones was um, a few months after launch of the Exonify program, we, you know, were looking at how we could boost engagement again. Um, our team doesn't typically have any merch or like company swag. Um, so we took a look at the program and we, you know, came up with, you know, we're thinking about ND University, that's what we call it, NDU. Um, we really wanted to lean into the school and academia theme. So why not couple it with a campus store? Um, so we set out with our creative team to design a line of apparel that, you know, what would a student need? So hats, um, tote bags uh, for their laptop, um, athletic shirts. A, we came up with a, you know, team mascot for a fictional sports team. So making sure that the creative um, plan and strategy fits in with our learning strategy and just injecting a sense of fun and nostalgia, I think was really key to like getting our team hooked. Um, so super proud of that. And I think there are definitely future plans to make even more um, merch and plan out this fictional university. <laughs> And it can be so easy to forget that learning is supposed to be fun when, especially yeah. when you're dealing with a lot of regulatory considerations, compliance and onboarding and, and kind of all of the, the nuts and bolts of what learning and development is. And when you're able to kind of get to that next level and make it a fun and engaging experience. And I, again, similar, I never got that clever or creative in my implementation of uh, contact center training. But in my case, I didn't have a lot of company swag that I could use either. So I had to get creative when it came to things like rewards and prizes and, and these ideas. So uh, the two things that I did were, first, I went out and bought the swag from all of my uh, technology partners. So I had people walking around the contact center wearing Exonify shirts. And uh, Confluence was a wiki platform I used. And we used Jira as a bug tracking tool. So I had like software shirts just all over the contact center because they were really comfy and really nice. So people really liked them. And then I had to get clever with non-monetary prizes. So I am I firmly believe that I am the creator of the parking space prize in the world of Exonify because I think we were the first to auction off the prize right at uh, the parking space right at the front door of the contact center. And in a big uh, environment, a big office or maybe uh, you know you're maybe sharing offices with a lot of different companies, you know a close parking space especially when it's really cold outside or in Florida really warm outside. Uh, people really go for that. So I, 
I'm firm in the fact that I think I came up with the parking space prize, which we actually use at Exonify. There is a dedicated parking space at our Waterloo facility that people go after, especially in the winters. So, so pivoting a bit, I, I know that retention is one of the biggest conversations that a lot of organizations are having, especially in the retail world over the past couple of years. And once you find a way to keep people in the company, you also have to find ways to keep them engaged and motivated. And this includes ongoing learning and development programs. And similar to what we were just talking about around making things fun and rewarding. So I'm curious how you measure the learning experience and make sure that teams are continuously engaged, especially people who've maybe been with the company for a little while. Yeah, definitely. We look at participation rates on um, all of our platforms and kind of make sure we're being proactive and keeping you know, the, your finger on the pulse of the company, um, making sure that we're meeting everybody's needs uh, on a regular basis. I think um, we also, you know, as L&D practitioners, sometimes our own learning and development kind of falls to the wayside, but it's so important to also stay uh, afloat and, you know, informed on trends that are happening out in the world, you know, that LinkedIn um, space and, and, you know, just general work trends to make sure that the content we're presenting is not, you know, outdated and, and fresh and exciting. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's multiple factors, but the key thing is just working with as many different people as you can and experiencing new things yourself as an L&D practitioner to make sure that you're providing the best learning content you possibly can to the team um, and keeping things exciting. Um, so again, like campaigns um, with prizes or intangible, you know, things um, like this parking spot you're talking about, I think are really key in keeping everyone engaged. I wish I have another conversation offline about the time that I managed to use the company's charitable matching program as a prize where I auctioned off the ability to donate to a charity and then matched the funds from my budget with the company's matching. It's a whole thing, whole thing. But uh, everything we're talking about around engagement is great. The idea of micro learning and fitting continuous learning into even the busiest of days, that's great. But we know that learning for the sake of learning isn't what employees need, and it's not what the company is looking for, especially for organizations that are trying to maximize their budgets and find ways to get more done potentially with less resources. So how do you demonstrate the ROI for all of this when it comes to your learning strategy? Are there specific metrics that you're tracking? And how do you share the impact of learning strategy with the management team? Yeah, um, I think... Let's take the customer experience team, for example. I think um, measuring results on that side, you know, how learning directly impacts their customer satisfaction score, their CSAT score. Um, those two items are directly tied. Um, in a broader way, I would say the onboarding experience from, you know, hiring day one until the new hire is fully onboarded. Uh, we're always using... Um, our LMS platforms and Exonify to see how we can make things a little bit more efficient um, and get people, you know, started and ready to succeed as early as possible. So we use those numbers and we're always talking about it with our leaders and um, other stakeholders to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. And I think that a key point to take away from that is it, it's 
not about conveying the conversation story of learning. It's about relating learning to the context and the problems that stakeholders and influencers and management have, right? So learning strategy is great. And we're ha we love having these types of conversations. Uh, but I always like to remind people that eh, we're the ones who are really into this stuff. Everyone else we work with inside of the organization has their own problems that they're trying to solve, whether it be compliance, trying to mitigate risk, or the executive team trying to deliver value to shareholders and a great customer experience and drive revenue. So the more that we can relate what we do to what these individuals do, the more likely people are to buy into these newer types of ideas like micro learning and engagement and the types of things that we're talking about. Now, we have ITK viewers from every possible industry, and some might have 400,000 employees, some might have 400 employees. And regardless, they're all expected to foster the kind of employee experience that helps people do their best work every day. And that means maintaining a sense of agility so they can keep pace with changing business needs and avoid getting stuck in that dreaded, this is how we've always done it here type of a situation. So to wrap up our conversation, what's one piece of advice that you can offer to help people think more like a startup when it comes to their learning culture? I think it comes down to, again, just like staying on top of everything that's happening in the world and being up to date there, um, but also not being afraid to make a mistake. One of our company values is fail fast, learn faster. So what does that mean? It means that, you know, the learning journey is never really over. You're constantly improving you know not from even from an L&D perspective but from you know any any department or professional um, capacity you're always looking at how you can improve and building a um, continuous and deliberate learning culture in the workplace only serves to help everybody um, just touching back on the last question like if you are able to convey to people you know learning will you know, get the person to help you solve your problems faster um, is really like the most important point to get across, I think. And that's a great point because what is learning if not the freedom to make mistakes, as it were? So Gloria, thank you so much for joining us here on ITK today. To show our appreciation, we'd like to make a donation to a charitable organization that's near and dear to you. So can you tell us a bit about the organization that you selected? Yeah, I chose Furniture Bank. Uh, it's a charity based in uh, Toronto, Canada. They are uh, an amazing organization that collects gently used furniture to help you know women and children who are um, moving out of shelters, um, previously unhoused people, um, and it really helps to uh, provide furniture to those in need with dignity. Um, and it's a great organization. Definitely recommend you check it out. Awesome cause indeed. Be sure to check out the information in the show notes or at the URL we dropped uh, so you can learn more and support Furniture Bank. And Gloria, how can people connect with you, follow the great work that you and your team at ND are doing? Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Gloria Chow at ND. You can also follow the ND LinkedIn page. And we also have a workplace Instagram called Life at ND. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much to Gloria Chow for sharing her insights into how we can pro provide bright fit learning and support by adopting a startup mentality. If you had a good time today, be sure to subscribe to ITK. Head over to exonify.com slash ITK to sign up for show announcements and reminders. You can also check out the entire ITK collection on the Exonify YouTube channel or listen to In the Know on your favorite podcast app. 
Tune in in two weeks for the next ITK, when we'll be exploring an incredibly important, but often overlooked topic, accessibility. When we say everyone deserves the opportunity to do their best work, we mean everyone. And that's why we've invited Diane Elkins, owner of Artisan eLearning and founding member of Inspire Accessibility, to join us for a discussion on what it means to provide equitable access to training and support for all employees. So join us right here on Wednesday, June 26th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern to discuss accessibility with Diane Elkins. Until then, I've been JD. Now you're in the know. And always remember to ask yourself the important questions. Did I just mention that I found my favorite piece of furniture from my old college dorm room? Yeah, me and that recliner, we go way back. I'll see you next time. In the Know is produced by Sam True. Visual design by Mark Anderson. Additional production support by Risha McCutcheon, Andrea Miller, Malia Bernard, and Megan Kay. The show is written and hosted by J.D. Dillon. ITK is an Exonify production. For more information on how Exonify helps frontline workers learn, connect, and get things done, visit exonify.com.